T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good morning, everybody. Welcome into the huddle. Sunday, April 9th. Happy Easter to you. It is 10.08 on a Sunday morning, and I will look out the window quickly to let you know that the sun did indeed come up this morning for all you Gopher fans who had just – I mean, Pete, I got to be – we watched the game last night. My son and I were watching it at home, and, you know, when they – I'll start with the, the just the shock of it. I mean, just absolutely stunned. It seemed like this team this year was – it was destiny. You know, they, they had all the right players in place – playing well, depth at every position. Um, and, and so we sat there on the couch after 10 seconds into overtime, and, and my whole house was just quiet. We just sat there staring. Even my wife, we just sat there staring at the television thinking, this can't be the way it's it's happening. This isn't the way it was supposed to happen. They were supposed to win. They, they were supposed to, to, you know, to, to down this Quinnipiac team who's been – you know, close but no cigar. I think three times now, and I was we, we were absolutely in shock, man. I, I just we we're staring at the screen, could not believe it. Yeah, it's amazing how emotional we all get, um, and I think for all the right reasons. I mean, we're invested, right? We're invested in this case with, you know, the team, the Gophers, the University of Minnesota. We're all excited. We think that, uh, you know, they basically were number one almost the entire year, and they were an incredible team. But, you know, it was interesting because uh, people were so excited even on Thursday when I was up at Tampa and I was at the arena and watching the game and watching a little bit of Michigan um, afterwards. And just seeing Quinnipiac, uh, you know, they're number two. So, it's you know, it, it's not like there's some, uh, you know, somebody who just sort of snuck in. They won a few games and all of a sudden they're there. Uh, it's not like the NCAA basketball tournament at all. Yeah. I mean, we had number one, number two. It was the two very best, and and it was. I think it was the way we lost Dave as much as yeah. anything. Yeah, uh, it's just heartbreaking, right? I mean, it, it is. I, I saw the guys at the press conference afterwards, and I just felt so bad for them because, you know, you could see the emotion. Even uh, Bob Motzko as well. I mean, the emotion was there. They they were spent. They were so. They were just absolutely one hundred percent. They pushed all, pushed all the the chips into the center of the table and they were there, but daggone it, they just couldn't bring it home. So you could just, uh, you could see it, you could feel it. You could, you know, you could cut the air with a knife. I mean, it was, yeah. just, uh, it was worse than a, than a Super Bowl loss. I mean, it really, it was, it, you know, especially when you consider the age of the kids and, and, and how much they really wanted this, many of them coming back for a year to, to do this one thing, to bring back a championship, which we haven't had in 20 years. And it it was so close, but it just couldn't get done. 
a couple of things this morning that I, you know, that I woke up thinking about and, and reading. First of all, the, the news of the morning, not surprising to anybody, is that Brock Faber signed with the Minnesota Wild just a few minutes ago. Uh, so he'll he'll join the team immediately when he gets back to St. Paul, I would assume. Don't know how long until he's in the lineup, but clearly uh, they're ready to get him in there. And, and he played very well, I thought, the entire tournament. He showcased really well. A couple of things that that I took away from the game last night. First of all, you know, let's call a spade a spade. This was not the Gophers' best game, right? It's it's a long tournament. They were gassed, and I, and I think they jumped out in the first period. They score that great goal. And and there was a bit of a sitting back, I think, especially in the third. I, I mean, you know, Quinnipiac was playing like they had nothing to lose, and and I felt like the Gophers were playing like they had a lot to lose. Now, I'm not going to rip kids. I don't believe in it. And I've seen people this morning ripping the Gophers, calling this a choke job, and and, and I, I oh. emphatically, and it makes me angry when I hear it. I don't believe mm-hmm. in doing it. They're kids. You don't yeah. rip kids, okay? Mm-hmm. But you can say. That in the third period, they played more defensively than offensively, and the shots on goal showed that, right? And Quinnipiac, and, and Justin Close, wow, what a third period. What a game for him. But what a third period for him, and he, he played really, really well. I absolutely – so there's a penalty in the third beat. Excuse me. There's a penalty in the third, and I'm going to forget. I think it was on Cooley. He had to go to the box. They called him for a high stick, and I hated mm-hmm. the penalty. Because I'm watching the game with my son. He goes, geez, they're, they're chippy. Where's the refs? Why aren't the refs blowing the whistle? I said, son, in an overtime, in, in a game, a one-goal game in a national championship, you okay. will have to break laws to get a penalty. <laughs> you know, they're, they're swallowing their whistles. And but I, and so I really thought, I thought that was kind of garbage that they just took Cooley and not the kid from Quinnipiac. Now, the, power, the goal after that wasn't a power play goal, so it wasn't a big deal. But I'll give Rand Pecknold some credit. To pull the goalie at the end of that penalty and give it, make it a six oh. on four. What a what a gutsy move, and it paid mm-hmm. off. And and so yeah. it it can be a great hockey game and a loss at the same time. But mm-hmm. it's a stunner, and it was really interesting too, Pete. I don't know if you felt this. Were you at the game last night? I did not go. No, okay, I watched so you, it here from home. But okay, uh, good, good. So you watched yeah. it. So I had this feeling last night, and tell me if you agree. And I know some people weighed in on Twitter. I had this feeling last night that like Minnesota was the Goliath and Quinnipiac was the upstart David getting ready mm-hmm. to try to take him out. But if you look at it here, Quinnipiac's been to three national championship games in the last 10 years. The Gophers haven't won in two decades. Who's Goliath? Come on. <laughs> and think about this. I mean, you know, there's a lot of different factors that go into this. I mean, they're the number two team. They've got age over our young players. I mean, we're both extremely talented, but let's be honest. They, they're, they're men, and we're still, to some degree, I mean, I, I don't know if everybody likes that term, but we're kind of still boys because we're 18, 19 years old. They're 22, 23 years old. And it's, there is a difference. And, and, and you know what? They, to, to the credit of them, I don't understand how anybody could say this was a choke job by the, the Gophers. I think you could say that they struggled with what the coach from Quinnipiac was able to do and yes. how he approached us. And it, including, to your point, when they pulled the goalie, I was thinking, wow, I, I don't know how many times in my life I've actually seen that done. The way he did it, and he just, it was no hesitation, and, and it was almost like he was trying to, little gamesmanship, he kind of waited for a second, then the goalie gets pulled, they throw in the sixth guy, and it was, they, they already had the pressure on us. Uh, they, they did an amazing job. I think start of about the second period, middle of the second period maybe, and the third period. 
they were on our side of the ice and inside of our blue line, it seemed like forever. And and it wasn't that we were choking. They just were that good, the way they were yeah. playing and yeah. how they managed to keep the puck down there and fire as many shots as they did against close, like you said. And he did an amazing job. I yeah, mean, he really he did. Blocked. How many times, Dave, was he back there in the net where he had three or four or five players in front of him? Yep. He's still making amazing saves. I mean, I don't know how he'd see the puck, but it was – it was it was just you know what it was gut wrenching because of you know you're sitting there going well we still got them by one <laughs> we, yeah. we we and all of a sudden they get the goal and it's like well golly we'll go into overtime and you know we've just got to figure it out we got to rest we got to do this and ten seconds is not enough <laughs> no and that was a great play I, I mean it's it's yeah. that kid you know if anyone who's played hockey out there or, or even if you haven't you know to come in with that kind of speed like he did get the pass and then resist the urge to shoot it right away but instead mm-hmm. recognize that close is just he he's he's playing fast so he's a little out of position to go around him i mean what a what an incredible play uh it, yeah. it was a great play quinnipiac played well and and they didn't um they deserved to to win a championship and and they did mm-hmm. and so um you know that listen the the city's on plumbing talking text line is already lighting up this morning so we will we will continue the conversation with all of this but as i was watching it last night um, and I'm on Twitter, and I and I tweeted out right after the game. So this is what it feels like when you tell me it's hard being a Minnesota sports fan. And I and I say this because like for 20 years I was impartial, right? I just, you, when you're in the the media business, you just want the game to end on time, and you just want them to give you uh, some good highlights, right? So you don't really get into it. Last night I watched a title game as purely as a fan, and it it hurt. I mean, like afterwards I was I was it hurt bad. And so I put that on Twitter, and and all of a sudden it's just lighting up. It's like, really, you know, are you new here? That you know, how could you, you know, welcome to the show, welcome to the pain. There's room for one more. Uh, so I I thought of this question, and it, it, I'm curious what all of you think, Josh. I'd love to hear what you think as well. But you know, when did you realize? <laughs> and I'll use the word curse because I like playing into it because we're not really cursed. But when did you realize that Minnesota sports was cursed? What was the moment in your lifetime? And I'll share mine later. But, Josh, why don't you chime in? Because I'm curious, Josh Wheeler, by the way, in for Charlie today. When did you realize Minnesota sports was cursed? Um, to be honest, I, I uh, going full 100% realizing it, I think it was honestly the Twins in 2020 when they faced Houston in the three-game series and when we didn't have crowds and all that stuff at Target Field and whatnot. And I've definitely – felt like that was a team that was destined to take down the Astros and move on to the next round of the playoffs and because we were just so offensively good. And then I realized as soon as, you know, game two hit and we didn't produce any offense like the Bomba Squid uh, Bomba Squad did all season. Yeah. Didn't do anything. And I'm like, man, if that doesn't, you know, spell out Minnesota being cursed as far as sports, I don't know what is. And obviously you have the Vikings one, but I feel like that's just commonplace answer and going back to <laughs> going back to the the gophers how the, the whole thing ended up with the gophers honestly when you look at that end of that third period you kind of felt you could kind of feel that game tying goal coming because i think uh, uh minnesota was playing prevent like you mentioned they're pretty yes. much preventing defense the whole time instead yeah. of trying to necessarily plug away at their offense and you could kind of feel just quinnipiac kind of building that momentum back you know, penalty or no penalty, it's still they still kept on plugging away. And then once that overtime period started, 
you kind of just saw Minnesota freeze. I don't know. I, I, I still the, the the picture is as clear as day to me when that faceoff happened. You don't see a whole lot of movement. You see a lot of Gophers players kind of spaced down and whatnot, like as far as their distance and proximity to the other players. But you don't really see them progressing down ice a whole lot. Like almost like they were expecting or maybe shocked that they didn't win the faceoff, and they kind of were just yeah. they were kind of there. So yeah, it definitely was an interesting ending to that game. Yeah. But yeah, I think. Twins in 2020 definitely is the uh, the long form answer for for that question. Pete, I feel like you go way back. When did, did you do you think Minnesota sports is cursed? And when did you realize it? I think it is. Although you know you have to obviously get well, you've got to give grace to. I mean, we we've had a couple of uh, you know World Series that have, we've done yes. okay. So, um, but I think the reality is I, for me it is about the Vikings because I was a, a young kid. We moved here from California. And we go to one Super Bowl and then another and then another and then another. And, and, and we, at times, were by far one of the best teams in the entire NFL and just couldn't get it done. And, it, and even without that, think of all the teams that we've had that didn't even make the Super Bowl that should have, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I think that curses well. And we talk about some of the kicks that were missed and some of the other things that had happened in certain games. Yeah. and. You know, there was. I, I still remember the Dallas game with the push off and then grabbing the ball and the guy backpedaling into the end zone. I mean, I, I've got them all in my head and I run them back and forth all the time. So, you know, when when you do have that as a as a backdrop, and you know, let's let's talk hockey. I mean, it's been a really long time for Minnesota at at the next level, college and pro. I mean, wh- when are we going to win? I mean, it's, it's, you know, as good as we yep. are each and every time that we've taken a shot at it, um, we just don't get there. And this year felt like the year. And I, and I think that the approach was right. I think everything they did, I love the emotion of everybody. But we did play, I think, not to lose in the third quarter. And yep. that, that, yep. that certainly fell. Uh, I don't think that was something that – I'm the only guy that saw you saw it. I saw it. I think most Minnesota fans were like, got to get more aggressive guys. You cannot just sit here and wait. It's like having a prevent defense, right? Yes. Which only prevents you from winning. (laughs) Right. And and that's what it kind of felt like for me, Dave, to be honest with you. Real real quick. I want to change my answer actually. (laughs) So there's this hockey player. You might've heard of him. His name is Patrick Kane. Um, So 2014 game six at the X. We have a puck go flying across the ice, and it just so happens to hit the stanchion, falls just perfectly in place for Patrick Kane to just deke around Rizgolov and knock it in. I I don't think it gets any more cursed than, you know, that kind of puck luck. That's as pure as it gets when it comes to, okay, the hockey gods don't want the wild to advance. Yeah, There's a name from the past. Yeah, I love it. I love it. All right, I'll share mine later. How's that for a tease? I'll tell you. But I, I, I absolutely would love to hear from all of you out there who are joining us this morning on the Cities One Plumbing Talk and Text Line. When did you realize Minnesota sports was cursed? Give us a call. Give us a text. 651-461-9226. We'll continue the conversation throughout the show. We'll talk some more gopher hockey as well. Coming up in our second hour, Sam Ekstrom is the play-by-play voice for the gopher men's hockey team on Bally Sports North. We'll talk with him about the game. And uh, we hope to hear from you as well as we set up with a really great show this morning. And thank you for joining us. We'll join you in just a few minutes on the other side of the break. You're listening to The Huddle on A3O, WCCO. Welcome back to The Huddle. Dave Schwartz, Pete Najarian, Josh Wheeler with us as well. Good morning to you. We're talking about the Gopher hockey loss 
uh, in our opening segment, losing to Quinnipiac last night in overtime in the national championship game against Sam Ekstrom will join us uh, at 11.20 to talk more about that. Got some great answers here, uh, Pete, to the Cities One Plumbing Talk and text line about our question of the day today, which is when did you realize that Minnesota sports was cursed? Uh, one person says Gary Anderson, yeah, um, which I think is a big one, and missed field goals, and Favre rolling and throwing an interception. Yeah, I remember, I remember that one. Tracy Porter. Drake mm-hmm. Favre rolls, could have run for the first down, but I want to say, and correct me if I'm wrong, he was trying to force it into Bernard Berrien. Is that the right year? Was it was it Berrien that year? And it's it's picked off. Yeah, just just brutal. So I was just talking with Josh about this uh, as as we were in the break, Pete, and I was going to share my moment that I realized. And that, now keep in mind, I've only been in Minnesota since two thousand and seven. That was my first uh, year here. So my big moment that I knew I was like, this is it. This is absolutely cursed. I will likely never cover a championship in this town. Uh, but maybe we will at some point. 2000 and, oh, Josh, what was the year? It was the year the dome collapsed because they were at TCF Bank Stadium. Was uh, that? 2010. Seven, I don't even, 17? Was it, is that, that's too late. Don't anyway. uh, collapsed in 2010, I'm almost positive. 2010, okay, 2012, yeah. So they're at TCF Bank Stadium. It's freezing. It's like 20 below zero. They're playing Seattle in the postseason. Mm. And... It's a chip shot. It's a chip shot for Blair Walsh. And I'm standing next to a friend of mine who I won't name because I don't want anybody, you know. And he says to me, what do you think? It's going to go left or right? And I said, no, nah, come on. Yeah, I do. It's, it's going to happen. And all of a sudden, it goes wide left. And I just stood there and I went, I, I just I can't believe. Like, how could you miss that? It was a chip shot, and it was way wide left. And I, I always remember watching the TV copy of this, and I was, I was just talking this. If you, if you ever go back and you can YouTube it, but if you watch the TV replay and you watch the angle from right behind, like directly behind, which is where I was on the other end of the field, and all the way up in the very, very top of the left section, there's a gentleman up there who is clearly watching it from the other side and, and seems to think that the field goal is going to go in. And his arms are raised in victory. And as you see the ball slowly past the left upright, his arms go from being up in victory to going directly onto his head and holding his head in his hands in disgust. That is my moment where I went, yeah, we are, um, we're cursed. We're cursed. That's, that's pretty brutal. It's amazing, Dave. It, it, it's happened so many times. We're this close, whether it's the Randy Moss era or, or whatever it might be, but there's always the one. And, you know, uh, the Brett Favre thing, too, I, I go back to some of the, 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 at least the allegations of things that went uh, were bad from New Orleans. And I'll tell you, I still sticks in my craw that game because when, when they hurt Brett Favre, that was, that was brutal. So, uh, that it's was one brutal. way or the other. You know, one way or the other, something happened. You know, whether it's a kick or a drop pass or whatever it might be, but they were all very, very small. I mean, the kicks were all makeable. They were. They weren't yeah. like, wow, this is a stretch. This is a sixty-yard field goal. It wasn't like that, and and that's what makes it even worse. I think. 
Here's another one to the City Zone Plumbing Talk and text line. By if you're just joining us, or if you want to jump in, four six one, excuse me, six five one, four six one nine two two six. The City Zone Plumbing Talk and text line. When did you realize Minnesota sports was cursed? Um, this person, uh, I actually think is <laughs> had some faith longer than the rest of us. I want to change my answer to when Kirk Cousins threw a three yard pass last season to T.J. Hawkinson, and we actually <laughs> needed eight yards. <laughs> That's not a bad call, but that just is part of the momentum from all these years previous, right? I mean, that's... yeah, he done that. He's done that like twenty times last season, the season before last. I mean, but yes, I, I like that. Um, another caller saying a deflated Metrodome roof perfectly symbolizes the Minnesota sports curse, and then they had to play the next game in Detroit. I was at that game. It was it was awful. They played the Giants. It was Brett Favre's. Uh, he ended his streak of, of consecutive starts, I believe, um, and they lost that game. That was a that was a brutal loss. But um, so this is a fun topic. Let's keep revisiting it throughout the show. You can keep uh, sending us your texts or give us a call six five one four six one nine two two six. But we'll take a quick break here and step aside. We'll do the fast break coming up next Whoa. on the other side of this break. You're listening to the Huddle on eight three zero WCCO. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome back to the huddle. Let's get it. We're going right into the fast break. We got a, uh, we got a, a Charlie sub. Charlie is on a load management day today. So we have, we have Josh Wheeler. Hey, Josh. How's it going? Good. <laughs> Charlie's on load management, but you're here to play. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, I have a few questions for you fine folks. Uh, number one, what has been more impressive to you this season for the Twins? Their starting pitching or the depth hitting like Farmer, Larnick, et cetera? Ooh. Well, you have to tell us who goes first. Uh, Char- we'll Charlie's, go, uh, Dave, you go Charlie first. likes to decide. Who goes first? Uh, you, Mr. Dave Schwartz. Mr. Dave. Okay, I'll go first. Um, you know what? I- I'm actually really impressed with the pitching. And, and I, you know, we'll talk about this when we talk about Twins, I think, uh, whenever we have that slated in eventually. Uh, by the way, they do have a, a pretty nice game this afternoon. Beautiful day for baseball outside. Goodness. I, um, I love the pitching. 
I, I love the fact that the pitching is going longer than just five innings. Like, guys are getting to seven, eight innings. I think a lot of that is because of the pitch clock, so these guys are, are getting deeper into games. So I've really, really been impressed. And starting pitching is what wins. So for me, it's pitching. Yeah, I can't disagree with you, but I will say this. I'm impressed with the number of, of runs we're putting up. I, I think the guys are actually the connection with the ball, and maybe it is the pitch clock. Uh, you know, who knows? But whatever it is, I love what, what we're seeing from the Twins on both sides. I think pitching does win it all, though. That, there's no doubt about it. And we had Pablo on last week. He was phenomenal, and I yeah. just loved his attitude. And He's looking pretty good so far, Dave. So uh, I'll go with you on pitching. But the, but the bats have been pretty strong. Perfect, perfect. All right, moving on to number two. We still have a few weeks left until the NFL draft, and the Vikings do have some holes to fill. Uh, but with that said, they do have the third lowest draft capital in the NFL with only five picks. Uh, what position or even what player, maybe even both, do you see them selecting? Pete, you go first. Wow, that, that's a little bit tough. You know what? I, I'm <laughs> one of the guys who's a, who's a little bit boring sometimes when it comes to this because I go after the players that nobody ever thinks about after you draft them. But um, I, I still think the Vikings still need help on the offensive line. I, I will always probably think that. Or defensive line. So I'd, I'd love to see either of those get boosted up just a little bit more because it makes, it makes Cousins better if it's on the offensive line and it gives the linebackers and secondary a lot better chance if we've got at least another big guy up front who can get to the quarterback. Um, I like that. I, I'll never disagree with Pete because he's knows he's forgotten more about football than I know. Uh, <laughs> but I would like to see. Um, I, I really think the defensive secondary needs some help. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. you know you lose Patrick Peterson, who's a great leader back there. Um, certainly Harrison Smith is is still fantastic. But I think if you have that secondary, it can and they're playing well. That will allow the front side of that defense to play better. I, I don't disagree that you got to have the big horses up front too, but for purposes of uh, each of us having a different take, I will take secondary. I like Byron Murphy, though, that we picked up. I think that was a, that was a good way to yeah. get a little bit younger than we were. Patrick Peterson was great, but he's also in his 30s, and now you get a guy who's about 25. Um, I did like that signing a lot for the Vikings. All right, then we'll move on to question number three. Only a few games remaining for the Wild. It seemed that history is going to repeat itself this year with a goalie quote uh, quote unquote problem. Uh, excuse me. With you know, obviously we had Talbot Flurry last year. Now we have uh, the Gus Bus and Flurry. Uh, honestly, when it comes down to it, who do you guys seeing uh, starting game one next Monday and or Tuesday, whenever the first game of the playoffs starts? Dave, you go first. I love this question. I actually got it uh, at Men's League last week when we were done playing and, and who's going to start in game one. And I first I'll say this. I don't think the goalie situation is, is the same as last year. I think Philip no. Gustafson is, is clearly better uh, than, than Cam Talbot was. But it is still – but the issue is there, and you're right, Josh. It's, it's there. Someone has to decide to start. And when it comes to postseason and, and two guys playing the same – I often will default to the guy who's got the experience. And as good as Gustafson has been, Flurry seems to have turned a corner and he started to play well. And and when you add in all the hype of postseason, all the nerves and all that, it's not that I don't think Philip Gustafson could handle it, but Flurry's got the experience. He's a Hall of Famer. He will be in the NHL Hall of Fame. There's no doubt about it. So when you have to factor in all that extra stuff that doesn't have hockey, if the two are playing equal, and I think they're both pretty close right now, I yield to experience. I think you go flurry game one, but I don't 
have him go game two, regardless of what happens. And I think that's what happened last year. I think you got yourself into a situation where you had to stay with the same guy who, even though the scores weren't the right way, he was playing well. So I would go Flurry game one and Gustafson game two and then figure it out from there. I think that I always would have to lean on you when it comes to hockey, Dave, <laughs> number one. Um, but, I, but, but I will disagree a little bit only because uh, what we've seen from Gustafson this year has been absolutely spectacular, and it doesn't seem like any moment's too big for him. They've had some big games along the way where, where we really needed him to step up, and here he is you know, with his goals against. I mean, he's, he's right up there with the very best. I mean, he's number two in the league. So – um, I, I like his confidence, and I think his consistency this year. It would be one thing if he just got hot now, but I think yeah. the fact that he's looked like this for the whole year, I kind of like going with him. And then the experience and the, you know, I, I think there's something that's very humble that that Fleury is is confident, but he's also got that side of him. I think he would be okay stepping in as the second guy. So I don't know. That would that would be my way of trying to get after it. Would be to start. I don't disagree. I don't disagree with you. I, I think he's proven that. I think you're you, you're 100 percent right, 100. percent Yeah, I think honestly, I agree with the idea that this is definitely way different than we had last year as far as having a one-two punch in net. And I think Gus, like you said, Dave, has been beyond better than what Talbot proved to be uh, heading into yeah. the playoffs. And I think we have a very a one A one B type situation with that. Yeah. So uh, yeah. one last question, real quick, and this is kind of we have a plus and minus to this question. Are you more surprised? <laughs> slash uh, disappointed by the Wolves' 151 points scored yesterday <laughs> compared to their 131 points allowed to a bottom-feeding San Antonio Spurs? I would say this. My quick answer would be this. When, you've got a, when you score 151 points, that means you're running and gunning, right? I mean, you're going up and down on the court, which gives each team more opportunities, so you're going to give up most likely more points as well. So... I'm not worried about the 131. I love the 151. I think, I think if the if the Wolves can find what they had and and the ability to shoot as well as they did, if they can continue with that, I actually think the Timberwolves could be a really interesting playoff team because they're getting healthier. But we did lose Nas as we or Nas as we talked about last week, and I think that hurts us just a little bit because you've got to have those backups to get to give guys a little bit of a rest. But uh, I like what the Wolves are doing right now, and I like that scoring. I was shocked. <laughs> I literally <laughs> looked at my – I looked at the score. They scored 151? I I, and San Antonio's – you know, they're not the San Antonio of old, but still, I, I mean, well, 151 points is unbelievable. And we'll see how they follow it up today. But I'll, I'll say this. Pete, you have been banging the drum since the beginning of the season. When all of it comes together, these guys are going to be a force. It's finally happening. Mm-hmm. Rudy's playing well. Ed's playing well. You got Carl Anthony Towns back. You know, like you're right. This is the what's really interesting about this team in the postseason is, regardless of their regular season record, we haven't seen this team yet. We haven't mm-hmm. because they haven't all been together and, and playing well because of injuries and things like that. So I, I'm i kind of with you. I, I think that there's a my, – my first reaction was where has this been? But my second reaction was, well, they haven't been together. And, and we've right. waited and waited. We kept saying, when's it going to come together? When's it going to come together? Well, uh, Saturday, April 8th, it finally came together. And, and just in the right amount of time to try to make a little – you know, see what you can do in the postseason. It's a new season. The team's back together. And they're playing well. So I, I think that if I'm another team, I look at the Timberwolves and I go, okay, 
I don't think their record is indicative of their talent level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And well, even even sitting in the studio yesterday watching that game, it was like you know, it's like when I'm in Vegas or at Mystic and I'm sitting on a slot <laughs> machine. You hit the you hit the bonus spins and you keep hitting those bonus spins. It just kept going up and up and up and up. And I saw 151 and I'm like, man, this is like hitting a jackpot at a slot machine. This was just something I haven't seen from the Wolves in a long, long time. And sure enough, it was a franchise record. Yeah. That was awesome. And you know what? We've put up points on some of the teams. I was just taking a real quick look to see the closest. But we we put up 140 on the Knicks. We put up, you know, 136 on the Hawks. So we've been a team that when offense is working, it's really working. And I think it's great to see Anthony Edwards because I was a little bit worried about that one, guys, when he mm-hmm. kind of didn't look like he was looking so great health-wise. But he's bounced back pretty daggone good. He looked great. Literally, he looked unbelievable against the Spurs. If I told you this lineup at the beginning of the season with everybody pitching in and, and we said at the end of the season, this is the lineup you were going with, I think we all would have thought a little bit differently uh, about the Wolves. Anthony Edwards, Mike Conley, Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, Jaden McDaniels. Okay, Edwards had 33 last night. Conley had 20. Towns had 22. Um, Gobert had 11 rebounds and 10 boards, and McDaniels had 16. When you look at that starting five, I mean, that's a legit good starting five. I, I, now, I'm not going to sit there and say they're Western Conference, you know, champions going, you know, going to the the title game good, but that's a pretty dang good lineup to start in the postseason. Yeah, and I, the last thing I'll say is their ability to shoot threes at 55% is a, yeah. really an amazing number. It's an amazing number. So, yeah. uh, you know, it shows that we've got some shooters, and it's not just Anthony Edwards, which is a good thing because he is great, but we've got guys around him. And Conley, who's not, you know, he's he's selfless. He's, he's not a guy who's going to be selfish with the ball. He's going to distribute it. Yeah. Well, so in two minutes. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Josh. Uh, I was just going to say I don't. I haven't looked at kind of how the thing, how the chips are going to fall with the Wolves so far. But one thing I wouldn't want to be is another team having to go to Target Center for you know yeah. a playing game and or a playoff game because when, when the back when the when their backs are against the wall, that Target Center is honestly one of the best arenas to play basketball, and that's one of the best home crowds you can ask for uh, when you're when you really need to win a game. Mm-hmm. In true Minnesota fashion, right? What, here's what'll happen, and I'm going to get roasted for this. Bill oh, they're going to go to the they're going to go to the Western Conference Finals and and lose in Game Seven. Is that is that how this works? I hope They'll not. They'll tease us. They'll tease us. I hope I hope not. But it goes back to our question: When did you realize Minnesota sports was cursed? We've been talking about it all day. Cities one plumbing talk and text line. Give us your uh, answer. I, we're getting some great ones. Six five one four six one nine two two six. I want to share my favorite of the past twenty minutes here. Uh, <laughs> with the seventh pick in the nineteen eighty nine NBA draft, the Minnesota Timberwolves select Pooh Richardson. <laughs> yes. I yes. remember. I don't know because I had I had season tickets. I remember that, and I literally looked at my dad. We had front row, two seats. The two of us would go together, and I go. Poo-hoo? <laughs> <laughs> you selected a guy named Pooh. Oh, I mean, you're kind of setting yourself up there. How, how, Other has, than, how has nobody brought up us missing out on Steph Curry yet? Well, constantly. Right. Well, yeah. Or, or, yeah. Well, how about, how about uh, David Stern, God rest his soul's favorite name, uh, N-D-E-B, or as he called him, N-D-E-B-E, in the, was that 02 or 03? Yeah. Yeah, good stuff, man. Good stuff. Let's step aside. We'll wrap. Uh, put an hour on. Put a wrap on the first hour of the show. Keep your calls and texts coming. Six five one four six one nine two two six. We'll be right back on eight three zero WCCO. 
Welcome back to the huddle. Finishing off our number one. Uh, Pete, we uh, we have a, a champion in, uh, let's talk a little NCAA championship basketball, the men's game on Monday night. Uh, UConn mm-hmm. wins over San Diego pretty easily. Pretty, mm-hmm. pretty easily. Um, it, you know, <laughs> it was an interesting week for college basketball. The women's game was outstanding. Uh, and, and truly, and I was on with Jason DeRussia on Monday, and, and we talked about the idea that regardless of how you feel on the issue of Caitlin Clark versus Angel Reese and, and the taunting and all that, and this is the, the yeah. point I made was this, is that this truly shows that the women's basketball game has arrived because it dominated the headlines Sunday and Monday, and, and even Tuesday. Yeah. You know, it, mm-hmm. it absolutely dominated the headlines. And, by the way, the game on Monday against UConn at San Diego State was the lowest rate, lowest watched national title game ever, <laughs> ever, and it's yeah. not even close. Fourteen point seven million viewers. The next lowest was twenty eighteen Villanova in Michigan, sixteen mm-hmm. million viewers, which begs yeah. the question, and we've talked about this, that if the you know everyone loves the idea of a Cinderella, but when the big yeah. dogs are are in it or out of it for that matter. Uh, mm-hmm. You're you don't want to watch, and nobody wanted to see UConn whoop up on San Diego State, and that's <laughs> I mean the, the the proof is in the pudding, right? Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. You know the the idea that it, it David versus Goliath is always so fun. The problem is we had way too many Davids. <laughs> you know it's okay to have yes. a David here, Great. And a David there, but. But when you've got yep. them all and you're, all of a sudden the number ones are gone and some of the other high guys up there are gone and some of these historic programs you know, that, that everybody was talking about all year long and how great this team was and how great that team was. But when they're all gone and now all of a sudden it's, it's one Goliath left, and I, I put UConn in that category, and the reason I do is you know, they get looked past a lot. You know, and it's, it, it's amazing to me how much they do because – They've got quite a few national championships themselves. They've done pretty well for themselves. And when you look at what they did during the tournament this year, I mean, David, it's amazing the way they just, they put them up and they shot them down. And and they beat Iona by 24, St. Mary's by 15, and Arkansas, really good Arkansas, by 23, blew out Gonzaga by 28. Miami was the closest game, and it was 13. So, the fact that they basically ran through San Diego State was almost a given. It was one last shot for the Davids, but if they would have had some other team that was more highly ranked with a little more yeah. athleticism, I think they could have had a shot at some better ratings. But the problem was we lost them all, and then all of a sudden the interest is gone. And here's the other thing. All the betting is gone, right? Because yes, and that's a huge part of it. Yep. Broken. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah, you're right. No, you're right. And, I, and I'll tell you this, too. I think that the transfer portal is going to, f- I, I guess if you're the NCAA, fix this problem for you, right? The, these great players on these mid-majors and smaller schools, they're not going to stay, mm-hmm. right? They're going to transfer right. to a bigger school and the bigger schools. So the problem will correct itself, um, whether yeah. you like that or not. I do think that that is, that is the case. All right. We will mm-hmm. step aside. Great first hour. Hour number two coming up. Talk some more. Go for hockey as well as some twins. Wild talk. We'll join you in just a little bit on hour number two of The Huddle. We'll be right back. 
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.